0: Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruschi from Real Ghost Stories Online, and we need your help with something. What's that? Keeping our show on the air. As the show grows, so do the costs of producing it and distributing the audio of Real Ghost Stories Online. The very thing that you listen to, probably on a regular basis. So if you listen to the show regularly, we ask you to become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. We'll give you even more episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online to listen to in exchange for your support.
1: It's only $5 a month and you can sign up at realghoststoriesonline.com.
0: Your support is what keeps our show going. Plus, we'll give you access to to all of the past EPP bonus episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online, jam-packed with some of the creepiest stories we've ever gotten in, and exclusively for EPPs, more than 30 full episodes.
1: Thanks for helping keep Real Ghost Stories Online on the air.
0: Without your support, the show couldn't go on. Sign up now to be an EPP, extra podcast person, on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And thank you.
2: Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online.
0: And on today's show, can you summon a good spirit or are you at the mercy of whatever may appear? A therapist finds she is the one that needs help because of the voices in her office. A troop of Girl Scouts finds their seance may have actually worked. And could a listener that is far from her sisters inexplicably know when they are in trouble? Those stories, your calls and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruschi joining you once again hi there hi how are you this fine day
1: i'm good how are you
0: i am doing well anything paranormal happened to you since the last time we spoke which was in reality like five or like 30 <laughs> seconds ago but uh, since we spoke on the ta- on the, the radio show
1: not that i can recall nothing you
0: mm, no we got a cat that's kind of like a zombie
1: yeah, a little bit. She'll
0: be in her cage, and every time you walk down the stairs, because she has uh, a little a little cage that we have in the garage that we put her in at night so she doesn't get eaten outside. And uh, then well, every time she goes in there, she's, like, reaching out like a zombie. And
1: it's not a little cage. It's a big It's big. big. Cage. I
0: mean, it's a it, in, in human size. You know, A human could fit in there.
1: Yeah, you could fit a Mastiff dog yeah, in there. It's
0: big for a cat, but mm-hmm. anyway, she's in there. And she sits there, and she reaches her paw out at, at you, and she tries to grab anyone who goes down the stairs.
1: And do you know why the cat does that?
0: Because she loves us, and she wants to eat us?
1: No, because she's pissed off that you always call her a she when it's a he. Oh, she. yeah. Our cat is male, <laughs> although he has been neutered, so he used to be male.
0: It's a complex.
1: You've always called it a her.
0: Well, I've always had female cats.
1: Well, this is the best cat you've ever had, isn't it?
0: Yeah, so far. I mean, yeah.
1: And it's a male. That's true. I've only had male cats. I had one female cat, but male cats are better, I think.
0: Yeah, I've always had female cats, and I mean, this one's really nice and friendly. Mm-hmm. And, and except for the Walker part, where it's kind of like Herschel's <laughs> friends uh, trying to get out of the barn. <laughs> That's what I think of with a cat. <laughs> She's like, and she makes noises like, Rah! yeah. Rah! It's not just a meow. It's like a, a zombie esque type sound. So, oh anyhow. Wow. Does that count as paranormal at all? No. The cat? No. Okay. Not in the slightest. So. That's uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us. We would absolutely love to hear them. Of course, you can also write in on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com, and share your ghost stories with us that way. So lots of ways to get those stories into us here at the show. Let's kick off tonight's uh, episode with a letter. From Elizabeth, and Elizabeth uh, writes in, I've recently started listening to your show after a friend recommended it to me. She's also the one who suggested I write up this story and send it to you. She's also dead. I'm kidding. That's nice. (laughs) Uh, I'm not sure if this is something you've seen uh, before as it concerns Guardian Angels. I was doing some research on angels for a writing project when I stumbled upon an amateur website run by a woman who claimed she knew all about angels because she had talked to them. I thought it was a bunch of shit, but I was creating a fictional work, so it didn't matter if what she said was true or not, as long as it provided me with inspiration. She had several pages about several different types of angels. I found her website through a page talking about archangels, but the one that interested me the most was a page on guardian angels. Not only did she claim that she had talked to angels, but that she could teach you to talk to your guardian angel too. Even though I didn't really believe it would work, I thought it would be interesting to follow her instructions and see what would happen. As per the instructions, I sat in my room with my eyes closed, breathing deeply. I'd meditated before, this wasn't strange. The next step was to imagine yourself being filled with the golden holy light and imagine golden roots growing from you, linking you to the earth then you were supposed to think of the perfect garden with a place for you to sit and imagine yourself sitting in the garden. For me, it was more of a clearing than a garden. One side of the garden was framed by a cliff and waterfall falling into some pond, and the rest was surrounded by a dense forest. There was a pavilion in the middle, sitting on a slab of concrete with a picnic table chained to it like something you'd see at a park. Everything else seemed very peaceful and nice. I sat at the picnic table called out to my guardian angel like i had been told and waited the website said that when you called out to your guardian angel that you should invite them to sit by you that then you could ask them their name if you didn't already know it and talk to them about whatever might be bothering you not really sure what i was expecting but i was not expecting what happened after a while of calling out and asking if anyone was there i looked over to see a tall figure and a dark cloak standing next to the table. Underneath the figure's cloak is a face, continually, that shifted. It just stood there looking at me, so I just opened my eyes and ended it. I wasn't sure if it was real or if it was my extremely active imagination acting up, but it freaked me out. Yet about a week later, I got curious and decided to visit the garden in my mind. Not to call anything back into it, but just to visit it while I was there. I saw the figure again. It wasn't in the garden, but outside at the edge of the woods, just standing there like it was waiting to be let in. After that, I opened my eyes and never visited the garden ever again. I try not to think about it very often if I can. I fear that I may have let something in that definitely wasn't an angel. But I have no idea what The only thing that comforts me when I do think about it is the fact that when I visited the garden the second time, the figure didn't seem to be able to get in without permission in my faith in God, but that doesn't keep it from freaking me out.
1: Okay, I'm pretty sure that what she saw was not a guardian angel.
0: This was all in a vision, correct?
1: Yeah, like a meditative state. Okay. And it sounded like what she said was that this figure that she kept seeing, the dark figure, was on the outside of the fence that couldn't come in. Okay. So that's really strange.
0: I've never been able to get into one of those states.
1: No, I know.
0: Where things just happen.
1: hmm
0: You know, I'm able to, like, I have a very active imagination. I can shut my eyes and imagine and I'm in a different situation or scenario or something and then whatever I want to happen will play out. But I, I, I'm not, I can't Really throw myself into, like she did. Essentially, she read about putting herself in a garden, mm-hmm. and then, and then suddenly all of the other objects, people, whatever have you that happens will just occur as if it was this living environment that I was going into. Uh huh. Um, that be I don't know how you get into that state. I don't know how you, that's almost like on demand dreaming, isn't it?
1: It sounds a lot like that, but I think it takes a lot of practice. Sure. And you have to be able to calm your mind, which was something that you and I are not ever going to be strong at doing. No, you
0: know, when people meditate and when they they go to kind of a a calming, peaceful place, are they able to pick out where that's going to be or like in a meditative state? Or is it kind of like, okay, you calm down and wherever your mind goes, your mind goes.
1: I think you can imagine where you're going.
0: Well, that would be awesome. I'd love to be able to do that.
1: You should work on it.
0: I remember watching an episode of The Jetsons when I was really little. Did you ever watch The Jetsons?
1: Very, very little. I was more of a Flintstones kind of girl.
0: They were like usually on back-to-back. No. Weren't they? And I think it's like kind of depended on where you were. Mm-hmm. It was like a syndicated... Because these shows, these were in mass reruns by the time they came to us. Oh, sure. Because, I mean, we're, we're not... I think they were, what, 60s, 70s mm-hmm. originally?
1: I think our kids... <clears throat> Excuse me, our parents were kids when they ran
0: Sure, so in the 80s it was in mass rerun But it's usually like, it was, a, it was usually a weekday morning cartoon Okay um, It was one of those you'd maybe catch before school if I had time Which I rarely did When I was younger I did But I remember watching The Jetsons and it was one where Elroy uh, In the future, probably around now <laughs> For what they <laughs> consider the future It was, you know, a big screen and they get to press his button As to where he was going to dream that night
1: That's cool. And
0: I thought, I bet they'll have that someday.
1: No. Not quite yet. No.
0: Not quite yet.
1: So, back to her vision. Do you think that figure is something that follows her that she was able to see? Or, I, I was just trying to figure out the significance of why there's this dark figure when she's trying to summon her guardian angel.
0: I don't know. I don't know why that would show up in place of the guardian angel. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess the only thing I could somewhat suggest, and this is just based on the experience that uh, others have shared with us about when they attempt to communicate with something on the other side, whether it be a guardian angel or whether it be a dead loved one, whatever the case may be, maybe the guardian angel is a dead loved one. Um, before you go into that meditative state it 's important to try and get in uh, as from what i 've never done this, but it 's described to us as as surrounding yourself in in white light
2: yeah and
0: in a in a positive white light so I, I, before you try to go into that state again, I guess that would be my suggestion and it 's not based on my own experience it 's based on the experience of anyone else i 've ever heard who talks about doing that on a semi regular basis right. So i try that and see if that keeps it out.
1: Yeah. Sorry we don't know who that is. (laughs) Yeah. It's the devil. No. Um, So you're
0: going to be possessed if you go back to that garden.
1: No, that's not true. Don't
0: eat the pears. They're not good. I don't know. I
1: just got to make that
0: up. (laughs) Rosanna writes in, in 2005 I was an intern for a counseling center in Boulder, Colorado, working on my master's degree in order to become a therapist. The internship was year-long and my internship site was a community counseling center where we served people who were low-income. The counseling center was a house designed and built by an architect in his family, at, his, at his family home, circa 1960s or 70s architecture. It was all one level in a very large living area with a fireplace, with lots of small rooms along one hallway, with other small alcoves and rooms off to the main office, which probably was once a kitchen or dining area. Most of our clients came in the afternoon or early evening, and there were typically eight to ten interns in the center of any one time, in addition to supervisors on site. Before the story happened, I didn't notice anything unusual most of the time I was there, but did feel a heaviness that felt present in the walls of the house, particularly more present in a back storage room that some used as a playroom in the back corner of of the home. I'd often have to shut off the lights in this room and would always feel very uncomfortable. I took this to be the emotions of the many people coming in with their many personal struggles. This night I saw a client late and was sitting in the main office area working on my notes before leaving for the night. I was the only one there and in the main office. I was sitting at the desk with another one across the room. There was a fax machine near the other desk and the copier was behind me. At first, I started to notice small sounds like the sound of an office chair moving slightly, but when I looked up, I didn't see anything move. The copier would sometimes turn on when no one was around it and did a few times, which made me a little uncomfortable. I decided to put on some music, and I had brought in a small stereo with a Nora Jones CD. Started listening to the music, and as I was finishing up my paperwork, I was singing, and as I sang, I noticed myself start to relax and feel less spooked. One song I really liked came on, and as I was singing loudly, another voice that sounded like a woman's voice rose up much higher and louder than my own. I immediately stopped singing and realized that I wasn't hearing things. I know that I heard this voice. I started to feel that the room was becoming very crowded with spirits, and I got the sense that they didn't want to hurt me, but that it was their time in the house and that they wanted me to leave. I packed up my things as soon as I could and got out of there feeling increasingly more freaked out. After that happened, I'd always lock up as fast as I could. I never stayed late to finish up paperwork again. About a month later, I was talking with another one of the counseling interns, a guy who at the beginning of the semester, he tended to always stay late, and his clients tended to come in the evening hours. I commented on how I never really saw him in the evenings anymore, and he said, I got tired of bringing in my radio to make sense of the voices I would hear. I shared it with him in my story and I felt good to know that I wasn't the only one. I know nothing of the history of the building or why I experienced what I did. But I've worked in a lot of other counseling centers and I've never felt that heavy feeling again. I don't know if it was the emotions of the living or something else. I looked up the counseling center which uh, closed sometimes in the 2000s but I I think the building is still there and is now a dentist's office.
1: That would be enough to make you want to seek out counseling. (laughs) Just feeling like you're hearing voices and not knowing if they're in your head or if you're actually hearing it. But just knowing that somebody else in the office heard them too has to bring a little relief.
0: That would be very, very troubling for anyone going in that's legitimately having a mental problem. Mm Mm-hmm. And is, you know, clinically has something going on with them. And then to have that playing as well.
1: If it was affecting any of the patients.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Sure. I mean, it's one of those things where I wonder if, you know, we've talked about this many times. There's, you know, basically any sort of ailment anyone has in any way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether it be cognitive, physical, whatever, um, they tend to be targets. For paranormal, oh sure. In in a lot of cases, so I don't know. If we've talked about this idea before, but would not then uh, counseling centers, hospitals, and such be really essentially bullseye targets for paranormal activity? Where it's like, hey, here's a lot of people we can really screw with right now, or really get into.
1: You mean as far as something sitting there waiting?
0: Yeah, like like oh, here's another. Yeah, I mean exactly. I mean you're getting people who are going there because they're recognizing that they have something that's going on with them, you know, medically,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
0: and and they're they're seeking out help, but just that fact alone, that ends up tending to be in a lot of cases a target for paranormal those individuals. Sure. So I would almost think that hey, if there's a hotbed of paranormal activity in an area or I don't know it's usually dark things that are going after that for whatever reason maybe there's a hotbed in a certain area Mm -hmm. you put a counseling center in one place uh, or a psychiatry office or whatever or hospital or something where people are going to get help might not be a good combination does it make sense
1: yeah I could see that if if some dark entities or spirits wanted to find an easy target I guess they could go to the local counseling center. Sure. Um, but, you know, I'm trying to think. I, between my own mental health and, and that of some of my family members, I've been with them to mm-hmm. some of their visits. Sure. And I've never gotten a weird feeling at any of the offices. No. And the weird feeling that you do get though is that of just the unease of everybody that's there is kind of looking around at everybody else that's there and thinking what are you in for kind of
0: like am I being judged are they
2: judging right. me that's right of yeah. and
1: I mean obviously you're not because mm-hmm. you're sitting right there in the same waiting room sure um but never anything like preying upon paranormal but I see where you're going with that yeah
0: I mean i I, I I highly doubt it's a normal thing in in a lot of environments, but I'm just wondering, in some places, for whatever reason, I mean, there's physical locations that for some reason in some places seem to be a hotbed, and the two come together, essentially. Mm -hmm. That could not be the best
1: (laughs) See, the thing I was more, I guess, concerned about with the story is, you know, like, medical students go through when they start learning about all the different ailments, they start thinking that they're having symptoms and they're, sure. they're coming down with something that they're learning about. Well, people with psychology, psychiatry background yeah. tend to do that when they start learning about abnormal psychology or sure. working in a setting like that. And I would think that hearing voices would be enough to make you start <laughs> to wonder if you're coming you know, yeah. if you're developing something, not coming down, because you don't come down with it like the flu. But, yeah. you know, if something is starting to surface. Yeah. So I could see that being very concerning, especially for somebody in that line of work. Screwing with everyone. Oh, yeah.
0: Not just the patients in the office, but the, the, the staff
2: Yes, as well. Yeah.
0: Very interesting story. Thank you for, uh, for writing that in. I want to talk about this because on uh, Friday, uh, on the Friday episode, April 24th, and I, I, I say the date and I say the Friday and I say it is this Friday if you're listening to the show in a current tense. The thing is, so many of the listeners of the show end up hearing it in a past tense. So yeah. the April 24th episode, uh, which is coming up if you're listening to it before April 24th, uh, is uh, going to be a special uh, episode. And it's uh, reviewing uh, one of the most interesting and troubling calls we've ever gotten. And it was really a series of calls that we got and a couple letters as well. And uh, we're going to be talking about some of the perspective uh, on what, uh, what our thoughts are on it now, uh, being a little bit more removed uh, so, many, so many months after. You know what I'm talking about? Richard. Richard.
2: Yeah.
0: Richard in Chattanooga. If you're a new listener to the show, Richard in Chattanooga was a caller to our show. It started last year, late summer. And he started calling in, um, sharing his uh, ghost story, if you will. And he was having issues with his phone when he was trying to call in. At one point, we got what we thought was an EVP on one of the calls. Yeah. that was very bizarre sounding. Uh, and, and to this date, I think the only EVP that I've ever said I cannot explain this to.
1: And he was. he gave us you know, insight into what was going on on his end. Yeah. And it was not at all what it sounds like. Yeah.
0: My thought was that it was opening like a patio door or something. And that swoosh is Mm -hmm. all I can describe it as. Um, But he said he's just sitting on a couch, nothing going on. Um, So if that's the explanation, that's the explanation. I have no explanation for it. And uh, all I can describe it as. And I talk a little bit about in the episode, because it's interesting hearing this stuff so many months later Mm -hmm. and kind of reviewing it the timing of when he said that, what he was talking about and, and when it all comes in is very interesting. Yeah. Just the content of what he was saying as well. Um, so anyway, uh, the April 24th episode of the show, uh, the Friday episode, uh, is a uh, look back at Richard and Chattanooga. And we'll, uh, we'll talk about some of the, uh, we'll listen to all the calls in chronological order. Uh, and we'll also, uh, talk about, uh, some of the letters that were sent in, what uh, some of the feedback was on the message board about it. It fills up a full hour. It's a full, it's very interesting. Uh, if you've been following the show for a long time, you, you've heard those uh, in sequential order a while back. If you're new to the show and you've heard us mention Richard in Chattanooga, here's your chance to get the full scoop. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's going to be a very fun and interesting uh, look at uh, one of the most uh, interesting calls uh, and stories uh, that we've ever gotten into the show here at Real Ghost Stories online. The phone number is uh, 855-853-4802 to share your real ghost story with us. I didn't ask you because um I mean what is what were your thoughts looking back now all these all these months later, you know, almost a year later mm-hmm. on on the Richard and Chattanooga situation.
1: To me, I you know, absolutely believe what he was dealing with was real. Um, I don't think it was an attention ploy like some people have suggested on the message board because the thing is, the tone of his voice when he's calling in, you can hear not only the desperation but the pure exhaustion in his voice from the lack of sleep, from the kids that don't want to be in, his, in their home because everything seems to be messing with his wife and his family all around him. So I absolutely thought it was real from the get-go. I still do think it was real. I hope all is well with him since we haven't heard from him in a long time. Mm-hmm. But that's what scares me the most about it was just how it was not looking back. Oh, this happened, you know, 20 years ago. This was something he was going through day in and day out when he was calling us.
0: Yeah. That was one of the most troubling parts of it. It was like an ongoing as it's happening. We're hearing the latest updates. And the last update we got was, uh, I believe December, November, December ish, yeah. right around there. And he had kind of discovered what he thought may have been the cause of it. Uh, and, and and since that time, we haven't heard anything back. So, uh, Richard, if if you are listening to this episode, we would love to hear an update. Uh, if you do get a chance, and and I do ask him uh, to give us one in that episode, but um, it would be just good to hear, uh, you know, what's going on. It's like the old unsolved mysteries follow up. Yeah, remember that when they put a the little banner on the corner of the screen, uh-huh. and it's like new this week. You know, it's like, and they did the follow up, and it's like, and thanks to your calls. <laughs> Yeah. We found the murderer. Whatever it was, but anyway, interesting episode uh, on uh, Friday the twenty fourth of uh, this month. So check it out. Eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two is our number. Liam writes in real ghost stories online. Hello, Tony and Jenny. You read my story a few weeks ago about the strange occurrences in my apartment during which you discussed the pronunciation of Newfoundland. You were both a little off. It's pronounced New Finland, with the emphasis on land. New Finland. Mm -hmm. Did I do it right? Newfoundland?
1: I think so. Keep reading.
0: Okay. I appreciate Jenny's attempt to correct you. We sometimes use an old tourism slogan to help visitors remember. Understand Newfoundland. It's the closest thing we could find that rhymed.
1: The emphasis is on 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 understand. Mm -hmm.
0: Understand Newfoundland. There you go. Oh, And I'm doing my A's right?
1: I think it's Newfoundland.
0: Under, do i say understand with a wisconsin accent understand understand what's what's the better word the first understand. one understand. understand understand Yeah. okay yeah okay i just it's a harsh wisconsin a mm-hmm. but i guess it's the right way to say that word understand newfoundland okay there you go it's a closest. <laughs> <laughs> okay now that we've discovered another uh, area on how to say it correctly uh, since i first wrote to you no one in the house has spotted the dark figure in the kitchen but One of my roommates has has told me that uh, she found someone in her bedroom at night watching her on occasion, the sensation of someone sitting on her bed. I felt the same thing in my bedroom once or twice. Everyone but my fiancé seems to have seen orbs, both light and dark, in various rooms of the house. However, no one is afraid or whatever, or whatever, whoever it may be. We seem to have reached a nice balance with our entity and things are more or less normal around here. Some uneasiness aside, we still have the option to smudge if anything changes. Jenny asked me if it might be haunted if I might be haunted myself. I can't say that I know of any specific entities following me, but I do believe they are attracted to me once I enter a space. I went through a period of exploration and wiccan and other pagan beliefs, as well as a period of emotional trouble as a teenager. And I definitely left myself open to what my Wiccan friends call those who seek to harm. I never owned a Ouija board, which I'm thankful for, but experimented with other energies. Who knows what kind of impressions they really leave on us. I mentioned in my last letter I grew up in a house that was haunted. My mom, my stepfather and I moved in when I was around three or four. We lived on the main floor and later expanded into the basement of the house. In the upstairs apartment was a sweet older woman I knew only as Mrs. Constantine. She and I would eat biscuits and watch Full House, while my mom ran quick errands in the evenings. She died when I was around eight years old after moving to a nursing home. The apartment remained vacant while my stepfather and family renovated. I was a latchkey kid at about age 12, so I came home to an empty house after school until about 5 o'clock. I'd hear footsteps upstairs during those hours, even though there were no one working up there. It never, never scared me, and eventually became indistinguishable when the tenants moved in. My stepfather and his father and his family owned the house and the store next to it. When they were renovating the basement, they discovered that the house and store were connected by a rough tunnel. In this tunnel, they found a stone with a year carved into it and a name. My mother swears she doesn't remember what the name or date was, but I think she was just really spooked by it. Sometimes she pretends she can't remember what I'm talking about. I haven't asked any other relatives about it, but it may explain the other activity in the house in years to come. They boarded up the tunnel on both ends. I'm not sure it's even in the blueprints for the house or store. For years, a CD player in our living room would turn on without prompt, skip songs, randomly, sometimes refused to turn on entirely for a day. "'only to work fine the next. "'My mother complained for years "'that I would turn the television on in the living room "'when she had gone to bed and leave it on all night. "'I never once turned it on after she went to bed, "'but did see it shut off by itself "'once when I passed by in the middle of the night. "'I slept in the bedroom to the left of the bathroom "'with my baby sister until I was 13. "'She was three. "'My parents moved to the new basement, "'and I moved to the bedroom on the right of the bathroom.' For the first time in my life, I woke up with the sheets and blankets and bunches on the floor at the end of the bed. I'd never been a restless sleeper, and as I grew older, I swear I could feel the blankets being slowly pulled off. It became so normal that it was actually more annoying than creepy. I've never woken up with the sheets that way since living in that house. Once my friend came over after school when I was 15, we were eating peanuts at the kitchen table, chatting, probably brooding about something. No one else was home with us. I had my feet up on a chair and could feel my friend's feet rubbing against mine. I jokingly asked why she was playing footsie. She was confused and said her feet were on the floor. I looked and saw they were, but still could feel someone touching my feet. We left the house until my mother got home. The only time I remember being really scared was one night when my sister was three. I left my room to get a drink of water and looked on her looked in on her, as I passed her room, I stated the bathroom was between our rooms. The light was off in the bathroom, and the door was open. There was no one inside. My sister was sleeping soundly. I continued to the kitchen. The basement door was in the kitchen, and I was always uneasy going down there or keeping my back to the door. I got my water, keeping my eyes on the door, and walked back down the hall to my room. At this point, I bumped into a man walking the opposite direction. Coming out of the bathroom, he was taller than me, but I assumed it was my stepfather. I mumbled, "'Excuse me!' and continued to my bedroom. It wasn't until I had closed my door I realized there had been no one else on that floor with me that it could have been. That shook me up for a few days. Years later, my sister told me that she would see a man in my bedroom when the door was open. He was bald, in a black suit, and stood at the end of my bed. She's now 18 and swears she remembers the bald man but was discouraged by our mother when she tried to talk about it as a child. Our mother still gets uncomfortable when we talk about it in front of her. And that's all I can remember on this day about my childhood home. I left when I was 16 to live with my father due to a tumultuous time at home and only visited on weekends after that. They moved into a new home when I was 18, later selling the property. I often wonder if the new tenants have experienced anything. Recently, the apartment upstairs was up for rent, and I wonder if I would move back in as it stands. The answer is no, even though I often think about Mrs. Constantine. Thank you for listening. I've got lots more stories to tell you on other days. Keep on doing the great work you're doing. All the best, Leah.
1: Would you ever consider moving back into a home that you had lived in before that you believe was haunted? I mean, if you had the chance, like she had the chance to move into that apartment.
0: I think I'd really have to weigh the um, the positive experiences versus the negative experiences.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, it sounds like it was kind of a tumultuous time there for her. Sure. I mean, that was actually her words on leaving. Um, so... If it was like a really positive home and it was a good environment, but there were some weird things that happened, but weren't like too invasive mm-hmm. um yeah, I would consider it based solely on like the positive memories and it'd be mean, if you know, I was in a situation, you know dire needs if I had to go back to living with my parents or something, you know sure um but uh. Uh, yeah, I mean I think I would. I mean it would just be really depend on I think how the haunting was.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, if it's like this where it's like the TV's turning on and off, you know. It's weird, it's bizarre.
1: The bald man watching you sleep at night. The bald man
0: watched, but he didn't do anything. He was no. just a bald man.
1: <laughs> I think that's that's a form of discrimination
0: against bald people.
1: <laughs> I was going to say I have a bald man that watches me sleep. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, I sometimes get up out of bed and I stand over you with a cup of coffee and I just <laughs> stare and make weird noises, but that's my thing. No, I'm kidding.
1: Yeah. We we're, we're a
0: protected group, us baldies. Okay. <laughs> just ask Larry David.
1: <laughs> that's great. <laughs> um you know, I I wonder sometimes when people think about moving back to a home that they used to live at like that, yeah. if there isn't something that's calling them back. Sure. Because sometimes that urge can be really strong. Like people that want to move back to where they lived during a certain time of their life or mm-hmm. want to buy their childhood home and, and raise their family there. It's almost like something is drawing you. Sure. There.
0: I've always thought of buying my childhood home Mm -hmm. but my thought process was actually to make it into an office. And then I realized it's so impractical to do such a thing. Yeah. My parents still happen to live there. Um, (laughs) that too. But I always thought like, I mean, this was years ago. I always thought, well, if I'm like still living in that area, which I'm obviously not. No. Um, but I always thought about that when I did kind of live in that general vicinity of like someday buying that house and then just like working out of it. Um, And then, like, using it as an office place if I ever wanted to, like, hire people or anything. But it is so, I mean, number one, there's zoning laws, which when I was having these ideas, I was unaware of those things. Yeah. Number two, it's, like, a bi-level home. So, like, each level is not all that big, and it's all kind of weirdly laid out. And as far as, like, having, like, codes to, like, get people up and down stairs (laughs) and such, it just doesn't make sense. No. Not at all. Um, but I I, 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 really have such fond memories of my childhood home. It's going to be sad when my parents do eventually move out of it. Sure. Because I really, I, that's where I grew up. I was, it was a good upbringing, good home, uh, you know, good life. I really enjoyed growing up there. Um, so I always thought, well, maybe I could still hold on to it somehow. But, right. You know, it'll be a time to to let go of it, but you know, my I, my mom will like that line, the, uh, <laughs> the, the fact that I.
2: Oh, see? See, you had it so
1: good.
0: Yes, I did, Mom. You're right. Continue. (laughs)
1: You know, my childhood was not bad. We had some bad moments, but in general, it wasn't bad. And I still feel very drawn to where I grew up Mm -hmm. to the point where sometimes I look just if it comes across my mind, I look to see if it happens to be up for sale not to buy it, but I want to do the virtual tour to see what they did to it, what my old room looks like now. So far, it's the same people that bought it from my parents that still live there, and they're probably going to die there because they just have had it for so long now.
0: And that's when you, when they actually do pass, then you go on the actual home tour. You go and check yeah.
1: it out. Yeah, or if they put it up for sale because I just, yeah. you know, and my parents have friends that live on that same street, so they mm-hmm. would know pretty quick if the, the, our old house came up. But Sure. I'm, I just have this curiosity about it.
0: I went through my, uh, the home that I grew, well, it was in until I was about uh, almost four mm-hmm. when we moved. Um, and uh, it went up for sale when I was 18. And I was able to go and tour that uh, one time. It mm-hmm. was the first time I'd seen it since I was f- literally about three and a half or so. And uh, I have a lot, I mean, I, I know people like, uh, so many people are like, oh, I don't really remember a whole lot before three or before four. It's like, I have a lot of memories mm-hmm. in that. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I've had the argument with people where it's like, you don't remember things before two words. Th- I do. I have very vivid memories. Um, So I have got to go and see that. And that was really interesting. Yeah. I had like very, I had a very couple spooky dreams there mm-hmm. that like, I still like kind of define the house by. Of like a skeleton like chasing me in the house.
2: Uh-huh. It was <coughs>
0: <coughs> excuse me. It was really it was creepy for a three year old. But um uh I, I remember going and touring that house and uh walking around as an adult. Obviously, you're several feet higher than it was how so you remember it. Oh, so sure. there were several times when I was walking through the house where I'd like I'd get down and it was an open house. Uh-huh. And I'm just like on my knees, like, looking at, like, different perspective of things, of just ways I remember seeing them. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, the real, the realtor who was there, like, like showing the house, like, kind of looks at me, I'm like, oh, no, I lived here. Uh
1: Uh-huh.
0: And they kind of look at me like I was a little bit crazy. I'm like, no, really, I lived here when I was, like, three. So, I mean, just, like, I remember a couple perspectives on this house from that height, and I just wanted to see them again, you know, at, at that Angle, sure. If you will, would you? I mean, it's kind of crazy, but
1: well, if I, yeah, if I had been that little sure. at a home, I mean, I wasn't that little at the home that I still check on. Sure, um, I was. I spent my little kid years in Texas, and yeah, that home burned down, so sure, that's gone. But um, no, I could see doing that. I could see it being a very emotional experience.
0: It was. It was tough. It was tough going through it. Um, what was kind of neat, though, I remember going up into the uh, the upstairs attic area, which I remember helping my, helping my dad kind of finish off, putting boards up mm-hmm. uh, and uh, kind of, because it was a, like an A-frame roof. And he was putting boards up one night uh, to kind of you know, make a wall, if you will. And uh, he had a real hammer. I had my little green hammer. Mm-hmm. And I remember doing that with him. (laughs) And then going up there and seeing the exact same board still up that kind of finished it off that we had put up when I was so little. It was was really neat to see. Sure. That uh, that house. But they've since like built on it. It's cool. It's it's a neat house. Anyhow. um, Going back to your childhood home. Okay. Do you think there's anything there drawing you back to it? Do you think there's anything paranormal?
1: I don't know of anything paranormal. Um, There was a lot of energy in that house, good and bad. Um, And there towards the end, it was more bad than anything. And I think that's part of the reason my parents, they just wanted, once there was this major life event that happened, Mm -hmm. they decided they wanted a fresh start and with a a smaller home with less upkeep because it it sat out on some acreage. It was a lot. Sure. And my dad was no longer able to physically take care of that, and my mom was working full-time. So for her to do that and come home and take care of everything, it was too much. Sure. So I don't know if it's wanting to go back and have closure on some things that happened there. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't think it's paranormal though but I I wonder because I am so drawn I mean if I had the chance to buy it and do anything I wanted to remodel wise to Mm -hmm. it just in a heartbeat I would do it yeah I would and I would just have it even though it's only 30 miles away it's not far enough away to be like a vacation home but we're not that kind of people that have more than one house anyway sure
0: just just the thought though yeah yeah interesting Jay writes in, I called in a while ago about my uh, brother. Now, uh, he and I would uh, play when I would uh, stick a toy on the closet door and then shut off the lights and try to guess where the toy would be after we turn on the lights.
1: Do you remember yes, that Yes, I do remember this. <laughs> it was a short call, but it was a good one.
0: It was a bizarre story. Oh, yeah. Because one of those things where you, you're as a child, you have this happen, and you think nothing of it. You just think... Ah, this is completely normal and then you uh, as an adult you look back and oh god
1: that's not right toys
0: are not supposed (laughs) to be doing this anyway this story happened to my mother and aunt and is the reason i will never allow a ouija board in my house my mother was 15 and my aunt was 17. my aunt was a rebellious teenager and liked to stay out late with her friends they grew up in a religious household and spirit boards were forbidden My mother shared a room and a bed with my aunt a couple nights a week. My aunt would come home late and sneak in the window. My aunt Anna Mae used the Ouija board at parties and she became so proficient that she could use it alone with only her fingernails touching it. One night at a school basketball game she was in the locker room before the game asking the board who would win. When The coach walked down and caught her, the coach yelled at them, claiming that was fake and that they were fooling themselves. Suddenly the board came alive and started spelling out feverishly embarrassing and horrible things the coach had done in her life. The coach left the game. That night, Anna Mae came home late and climbed in the window. Still a little freaked out by the negative messages from the game, She sat in bed with my mom and asked what the board wanted from her. With Anna Mae and my mother looking out at the board, it spelled out, I want you to give the kiss of death. Needless to say, they freaked out. After sheepishly confessing to my grandparents, a priest was called to bless the house. Everything was fine for a week, but then the whispers started coming in the middle of the night. They said, Anna, you're mine. And it all culminated in a moment that my mother claims will haunt her forever. At midnight, the whispers started and the sliding closet door by their bed slammed open. The voice said, Anna, I've come for you. My mother and aunt buried themselves under the blankets and prayed for dear life. Somehow everything stopped that night. Things still happened in the house that could not be explained, but my aunt was never... It again
1: i cannot imagine that poor coach hearing the ouija board starts you know or what it's spelling out that she had done in her life yeah which is a little concerning that <clears throat> if she is around children and <laughs> she's done these horrible things or whatever they were you know sure but to be so upset to have to <clears throat> leave the game that's that
0: i think would be some pretty extreme stuff it's spelling out
1: Yeah, yeah it's
0: not just like you know when you were a teenager you uh kissed bobby and it was katie's girlfriend you know whatever whatever sure sure um but uh yeah that's disturbing
1: it is on a couple of levels
0: very interesting story and another great story that we should bring back with ouija awareness month this coming October, yeah, <clears throat> Ouija Awareness Month Volume Two. <clears throat>
1: <laughs> As if we haven't harped on that enough.
0: That would be very interesting. You know, we're actually we're talking about working on uh, doing a, uh, a a book for our, our show with some of uh, some of the best stories we've gotten in. Um, and I don't really have a theme idea for it yet. Okay. Um, other than just good ghost stories. Mm-hmm. Um. But that, I mean, if we ever wanted to do a theme, I think that could be it. The Ouija? Talking about Ouija board stories. Yeah. We have so many of them. I think it'd be interesting.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I think it would get kind of old pretty fast.
0: Yeah, because it always kind of like ends the same. Ouija this, Ouija that.
1: Yeah, we used a Ouija board, and then so-and-so died. And then we used a Ouija board, and then they, we saw the pit of hell. And then we used a Ouija board, and blah, blah, blah. And,
0: and I think the term may be copyrighted as well.
1: Ouija. What? Yeah.
0: I do believe a, a gaming company owns it. Mm-hmm. So you would have to... Okay, so good idea for a couple seconds.
1: <laughs> I bet you we could still put together... <laughs> one heck of a book using some of the other stories
0: I think so and that's that's somewhat it, it, it's in the idea stage right now
1: it is it has not actually had any work done at all The thought
0: process is actual like a, an ebook version that can be like kindleized and then an audiobook version mm-hmm. you have to do the audio I mean I, my first idea was only to do an audiobook version alone okay and then I was looking into this further <clears throat> and then like some of the distribution ways of getting it out there requires like an actual text version of the book. So it's like, oh, okay, well, we need a script anyhow, so might as well do both.
1: Yeah, we could do that. So
0: anyway, that's a thought process maybe happening in the uh, semi-near future. (laughs) That means like year twos, (laughs) I don't know, whatever, time.
1: (laughs) Sometime in the future, yeah.
0: When I don't have allergy problems and cough every two seconds on the show. Renee writes in, Dear Tony and Jenny I, uh, and everybody, hi, uh, Renee from Philadelphia. I love the show. Just found it a week ago. I've been listening ever since. I've always loved scary stories, movies, etc. love hearing everyone's stories. I had only one ghost experience in my life. I definitely believe in them. When I was about 11 years old, I had a friend named Karen that I attended school in Girl Scouts with. I remember when I slept over at her house once and we getting ready to go to bed, she said to me in a serious manner, by the way, my house is haunted. I said, what? She said, yeah, I see stuff all the time. It's okay, though. I remember I was shocked at what she said, and I believed her. I was scared that night and was praying I would not see anything. I did hear some noises that night, but nothing that I could definitely say was a ghost. Anyway, we had our Girl Scout meetings in the rectory of an old church built in the 1800s. Every meeting, we pulled out folding chairs to sit around at our meetings, and we'd always had trouble getting the old closet door open where the chairs were stored he always had to giggle or jiggle the handle and uh, push the uh, doorknob all all kinds of stuff to get the door to open well one saturday night our girl scouts had a sleepover at the rectory when our meeting where our meetings were held our leaders were at the back of the rectory playing cards we all had our sleeping bags in a circle in front of the rectory near the big windows karen had an idea to have a seance Now that I think of it, what a bad idea to do this in the rectory behind an old church. Anyway, we held hands, and different girls said many names of ghosts to call, and there was a lot of giggling going on. No one was being serious. This went on for about an hour or so. Finally, everybody said, We've got to be serious and focus, or it won't work. At this time, Karen said, Why don't we call my grandmother? So she led the seance asking her grandmother to give us a sign that she is here. As she was trying to summon her grandmother for several minutes, suddenly the closet, the, the closet door that was always hard to open flew open and banged all the way. And a white see-through face of an old woman appeared in the window for a few seconds and then disappeared. We all screamed and were terrified. And our leaders did not believe us. I never messed around with stuff like that ever again. I'm 43 now and to this day, I know this happened and still remember it like it was yesterday. I think there was something about my friend Karen that made the ghost appear. Love your show, and I hope to hear my story. Thanks, Renee.
1: I think Grandma was showing up to tell those girls to not be doing that kind of stuff in a church. You think? There's just something wrong about that. Grandma
0: wasn't cool with the seance?
1: Not in a church.
0: Yeah, there's something kind of not good about that idea.
1: Well, and I'm sure they just didn't think of it that way because they were young. But that might be why they, you know, they got the show that they did was to scare them out of ever doing it again.
0: And and specifically the closet door opening, the one that they knew was not exactly the easy closet door to get open.
1: Oh yeah. Well, and the see through face showing up and then disappearing.
0: I would just be more amazed by the closet door. Really? I'd be like, oh my God, this thing's never, this, oh, there's a ghost there, but the door, it opened the door <laughs> you know, without jiggling the knob. Correct. Yeah. That would be very, very freaky. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting when it's, it's written in by someone who's, uh, you know, 43 yeah. and not, you know, and I'm 12 now, you know.
1: Right. That this is stuck with her yeah. all the way well into adulthood. Yeah. And, you know, that's not something she's ever going to forget. No,
0: it's not. Thank you for writing in and sharing that story with us. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Uh, is it Gro? G-R-O? Gro. Grow yep. writes in. Hi, Jenny and Tony. It's Gro from Norway again. Thank you for reading my last letter, even if it was not scary. It was about the house Ghost Ringer I uh, grew up in in northern Norway. I'm sorry, Tony. But I do not think we're related No, it would be fun. Damn. (laughs) I thought I found like a long lost cousin.
1: Yeah, I know.
0: Unfortunately not. Both mom and I like uh, genealogy research and I can't find any trace that leads to you. But in answer to your question, I grew up on an island. Oh, this is one. In Vesteralian, Places that are linked to my family are Andoy and Harstad. I mentioned that the house I grew up in was a former cotter's house. You wondered what that is. A cotter is a person who rented a simple cabin and a small piece of land upon which to grow potatoes, oat, and wheat. I'd like to do that. I'd like to just rent a house to grow potatoes, oats, and wheat.
1: So grow the potatoes for (coughs) lefsa? Probably. Yum.
0: A little bit of lefsa here and there. (laughs) I love my lefsa. The ground was solid on year-to-year basis and was purely... Uh, thwart to uh, paid into labor Hey, I, Let me ask you this Gro And you can write back in Do you guys still eat lefts over there Or is that something that we've like kind of Americanized here Is like oh it's Norwegian You know how uh, cultures do that Where it's like it's usually something that You go back there like you do what You're eating what
1: there I would think that they I would think they still would
0: How about lutefisk that one too uh, I'm curious in Norway do they actually do it Because in the states Anyone of Norwegian descent like proudly does these things and lefs is great Ludafisk, somewhat questionable you know i'm just curious if it actually still goes on there because i believe the biggest producer of Ludafisk in the world is in minnesota
1: yeah i could see that
0: so i'm just curious as to if this is more of a we did this here be for whatever reason with the settlers as to what actually goes on in the country itself.
1: Well, and if, if they still eat LOFSA, I want to know how grow eats her lufsa.
0: Yeah, what do you put on Yeah, I mean, because it's...
1: Uh, is it warm or is it cold? Is there butter? Is there no butter? Ham. Sugar? What? Yeah. <laughs>
0: okay, anyhow. <laughs> Usually, the land available to the Akhaner class was land that was uh, considered unprofitable for any other use. In any case, i like that you discuss more themes than just ghosts, so therefore... I want to share with you an experience I had for many, many years ago, and I'm curious about your input. My two younger sisters and I are pretty close in age. To keep them a little anonymous, we'll call them itchy and scratchy. But in spite of those close in age, I'm only a year older than itchy, two and a half older than scratchy. I was the big sister. I took uh, early on responsibility for them, and they both looked up to me as a great talent uh, who uh, could solve all problems and chase away scary shadows. That came the day after, uh, the day when I left home. I was 17 and moved about 150 miles to the south of Norway, which meant that I ended up far away from my family and only met them for Christmas and the summer holidays. So one night, when I was about uh, many miles away from Itchy and Scratchy, I had a dream that was etched in my mind, a dream that I was in my home village where Itchy and Scratchy was and headed up a hill towards the intersection where five roads met. At the crossroads, met the road, I came upon a hill, the road from the village center, and the road to my parents. In the dream, I was stressed out and anxious and filled with a strong sense that I had today to take me up the hill and rescue Itchy and Scratchy. It was night and dark, and I felt that they were frightened and in danger, and I never reached to reach them. The dream ended. A few days later, I talked with Itchy on the phone and told her about the dream. She was silenced. When she started talking again, her voice was shaking. Grow? That night, Scratchy and I had been down in the center and were heading home. As we approached the intersection, we noticed a red car following slowly behind us, and we were scared. And we said to each other, if only Grow had been there, she would have known what to do. The fact that I had that lifelike dream the same night they were freaked out and scared. I don't know if it's a coincidence. What do you think? Thanks for a great podcast. Kindly grow.
1: I think it's simply one of those cases where you are so in tune with somebody Mm -hmm. that you can sense their fear and or, you know, trouble situation that they're in. Sure. And being that close and kind of a, you know, not a parental figure but you know kind of somebody that they looked up to there was a real strong bond there and I think she could feel that almost like a mother can feel when there's something going on with their child and they don't know what
0: a lot of sisters have those bonds mm-hmm. you know where it's very even with age difference I mean you hear it with twins quite often but even age differences you know if there's a bond there and it sounds like they were very close for being a little bit different in age that that's uh very realistic to have that Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely think there was something going on there. Paranormal? Yeah. Not ghostly, but certainly paranormal. Sure. You know, I mean, although, you know, it's one of those things I wonder, is it so, is it so paranormal? Is it something where more people have it and they overlook it or it's just not really tapped into? Do all siblings have that?
1: Uh -uh. Uh-uh. all. Not all siblings have that. No? No. You can be totally out of tune with somebody And you, you know, it could be your brother and you're just not close. You're on different wavelengths. You have nothing in common. Mm -hmm. You love each other because you're brother and sister. Sure. But I mean, there's siblings that don't even get along or speak. So they're not that in tune. I think if you have a positive relationship with your Mm -hmm. siblings, especially if you grew up close in age where you were doing a lot of things together. Sure sharing At the same, same time, same experiences, experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's that would be the case
0: makes sense, very interesting though, nonetheless, there's a really cool story <laughs> and grow. I can't wait to hear about uh, left and Ludafus
2: yeah seriously, definitely. I do
0: want to know, so please <laughs> uh please let us know or any other of our Norwegian listeners. I know there's more than that out there, but uh just just curious being a Norwegian myself, so anyhow. If you like the show, please consider becoming an EPP—that's an extra podcast person. You get to all bonus episodes, the, uh, bonus episodes of the show, thirty-four of them now, and you get that uh, bonus video to enjoy. So check that out. Sign up on the website, RealGhostStoriesOnline.com. Helps keep our show on the air, uh, and uh, you get all the extras too. That's a, bl- a brand new uh, bonus episode every single week, as well as a, a show of thank you for your support to the show. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode. Of real ghost stories online.